0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10 30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. For those of you that, that don't know me, I'm Chris. Uh, my wife here uh, is Heather. Uh, she's a third of my size, and uh, we've about half my size now, actually. Uh, we uh, have been married for 18 and a half years. We have five kids. Uh, one was the, the guy up on the drums this morning. We just love our kids, love our family, and uh, uh, we're just excited for what God wants to do in and through them and in and through you. And so uh, today is the second message in On Common Vision. And I'm going to really, uh, this can be a message a little bit different than maybe what you're used to in the past. And uh just really want to share my heart this morning. And so I don't, I don't have a ton of funny stories. I don't have a ton of, Crazy illustrations, next week I'll have a ton, but uh, I do have one that I'll share that has nothing to do with the message, um, but when, when Pastor Derek was talking and he said we were getting some weird looks, uh, he, he just shared a portion of that. Um, we were walking the beach together, and, and he, <laughs> you all got ahead of me already, seriously. <laughs> and he won this shirt because he, uh, he was part of a fantasy football team, and it said, what does the shirt say? Is he in here? What did did the shirt say? Husband, dad, and and people that were sitting on the beach looking at us just walk. We were praying for you guys. We were talking through even the message today, all of that. And people were giving some strange looks because they just read husband, father. They didn't even get to the rest. And I'm like, I think you should take your shirt off. But, you know, like, just (laughs) let's... And and I think he said we don't we, you know we don't bat for that team. And I said yes, that's fair because I'm I'm happily married, and it's not to that man; it's to this woman. And uh, and uh, it was it was one of those like let's just be who God's called us to be and uh, love each other. I don't know about you, but we got some weird looks, man. And so I went from being my son to I'm like, dude, De- Derek is you know what? He's way too young for me. So. Um, <clears throat> We believe that marriage is between a husband and a wife. I'm just going to say that this morning. Uh, Last week, we really talked about uh, this thing called Uncommon Vision. And, uh, oh, one more thing before I start. Uh, We are trying this microphone today again, and it sounds great right now, so we're going to give it. And just, uh, um, it's it's a friend of mine who's come the last couple weeks and and been here really trying to get our sound up and and ready before Easter. And so um, I'm not going to call him out, but can we just give him and his wife a huge hand for helping us with that the last couple weeks? Thank you. I can't see where you're at, but thank you guys. You know who you are. Um, so last week we looked at this, this great plan that God gave, uh, you know, uh, um Joshua, excuse me, I was going to say Jacob. That's not right. God gave him this plan and he showed up and the angel of the Lord told him, I want you to go and take this land of Jericho. Remember, they're done. They crossed the Jordan River and they're entering the promised land. And God said, I want you to enter this promised land. I want you to take this promised land for me. And so they enter and the first thing they have to do is they have to battle this city of Jericho. And so the angel of the Lord gives Joshua this great plan. If you missed it, the plan stunk, man. The plan was like from a military strategy person, you know, and I know we've got some Marines in the house. I know of a Green Beret right now that's sitting with us this morning. I know uh, some of you Army that are with us right now. Some of you Air Force. We have a lot of people in this that would be like, that is not strategy we should do. And, uh, it's not, but yet he obeyed God. And what, you know, what the angel of the Lord said to him is, I want you to go and take this city, take everybody with you. And what you're going to do is you're going to march around the city, you know, for seven days, the first six days, March once the last day, you're going to march seven times. And you're all going to yell and scream and the walls are going to be coming, tumbling down. Woo. Let's do it. That's crazy. And so I believe God has a plan for us. And I, I kind of left you in a cliffhanger last week, said, I want to talk about what that is today. And in doing so, I believe it's going to paint a picture for what God wants to do in and through us. And so I, when I think about the plan, Joshua tells all his military, you know, leaders, all, all of the Israelites, hey, we're going to go do this. And I don't know about you, but if I put myself in his position with these thousands of people, do you think they were all just like, yeah, cool. Sounds great. Let's do it. Do you think any of them were a little independent like we are sometimes? Be like, you're an idiot, leader. Like, you're really? You think you heard from God? You didn't hear from God. And that he goes and he leads them into battle. He leads them into the next, you know, city here of, of Jericho. Or I think, you know, what God was trying to do is get them underneath a unified vision. Because man, the crazier it is, the cooler it is. Let me show you what I mean by this. And I think we have to be under a unified vision because if there's more than one vision, there can be Division. vision, okay? If there's more than one vision, you can have die vision. Let, and let me show you that, that I'm not writing everything. You're not writing everything. Just go ahead for a moment. Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes and uh, uh, picture your su- a sunset just for a moment. Just, just picture what you view as the most beautiful sunset, you know, and, and just, just picture it right now. Don't let anybody tell you how to picture it, but just picture that sunset, all right, go ahead and you open your eyes. And, and if we all go around the room and we start sharing, you know, there's probably 120 of us here right now, if we start sharing what our uh, sunset looks like, how many know that every single one is going to be different? You know, every single one. Some of you, you might like picture mountains in the background. You know, for me, I picture a, a, uh, a picture my wife and I have on Clearwater Beach with a sailboat that's going by with the sun in the background. And, and that's what I picture, you know. Now, you're not picturing that. Now, which, which one of our sunsets or sunrise that we picture, which one's Right? None of them. None of them. None of them are right. None of them are wrong. And so what we have to do as a church collaboratively is go, here's the sunset in which we're going to look at. We're going to run after. We're going to go for The same thing happened with the Israelites under Joshua's plan here that God had given him. In fact, I'm gonna, we're going to read this. Here's what happens, and I love this. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to read the whole thing because there's like 50 verses, but you can read it in its entirety sometime, but open up to the book of Joshua chapter 6 if you have it. Joshua chapter 6, that's where we're going to camp out this morning for a little bit. If you don't have it, we'll toss it up on the screen for you. Uh, if you are a guest visiting with us, there's an app we like to use called YouVersion. It's a completely free app. It has some great uh, Bible translations on there, Y-O-U version. Here's what it says in Joshua chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 7. It says, And he ordered the army, this is Joshua, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. But jo- Verse 10, But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices and do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. Verse 11. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Jump down to verse 14. So on the second day they marched around the city once, returned to the camp. Did it again, did it again, did it again. Did it six days in a row. Now I don't know about you, just pause for a moment. God had made a promise to the Israelites through Joshua that they were going to receive this city. They were still following the plan, but they hadn't yet seen it into fruition. How easy would it be in those six days to potentially doubt the plan, to doubt the leader, to doubt the direction, to doubt where you're at, to doubt what God wants to do in and through you? I'm a natural skeptic. I would have been like, dude, I don't. I, Joshua, he's, he's doing a whole other kind of church plant, you know, and... Uh, some of you got that? Some, one person got that. That's good. He's on drugs, essentially, is what I'm saying, okay? And, and he wasn't. But he was doing what God had told him to do. But I would have been a skeptic. I would have been like, I don't know about this. And, and I know Joshua said on the seventh day, but once you start doubting, don't you think the, the soldiers up on top of the wall were throwing down insults at him? I know he joked around that he was throwing slushies, but they were throwing insults and they were yelling at them, cursing them. How dare you? You know, they're not thinking anything's going to happen except they were scared. Here's what it says in verse 15. On the seventh day, so here's the day. Seventh day, they got up at daybreak. They marched around the city that day in seven times in the same manner except on that day they circled seven times. Verse 16, the seventh time around when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, thanks, Joshua commanded the army Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that it is are to be devoted to the Lord. Ah, they're like, they're shouting, man. I mean, this is like, this is like the best service in the world anyone's at, okay? Verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. At the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. And then it says they devoted the city to the Lord. And, And I just took out the part where they're like killing everybody. But here's, here's the deal. God gave them this city through this plan. You know, what if Joshua said, I think what's going to be best, and if we compare what God's doing in a different city to what he should do here, let's follow their strategy, he would have missed the boat. He would have missed what God was intentionally trying to do in and through them to not only give them Jericho, but what lied ahead. God built their faith, but loved them enough to take more ground for God. You see, God gave them Jericho, And Jericho was one city in what we see today as, you know, modern-day Israel. He gave them this one part of this promised land. Then they went to the next. The next, after the city of Jericho, was a city called Bethel. And you can actually map it out sometime. But the next city of Bethel actually means city of God. Anyone know if we have a Bethel city close to us? I don't know. After they conquered Jericho, they went to the next, and then the next. So what does this mean for us? Where's, Where's the practical here? We are not through Bridge Church, I'm talking to you. If you're a guest visiting with us, come join. There's always room for one more. We are not through in our battle here to yet take on more. In other words, we have not yet taken St. Francis for Jesus. It's not done yet. It's not over. Okay? No one has sung. I was very politically correct there. You know this. You know the story of Jonah? You know the story of Jonah, if you, if, maybe you read it as a kid, if you're not familiar with it. I, I couldn't stand going to church and the pastor would say, everybody knows this story. I didn't grow up in the church. I knew none of the stories, man. Here's the story of Jonah, just in a nutshell. Jonah disobeys God. God calls Jonah to go to this city called Nineveh, and Jonah doesn't want to go. He says, I don't, I don't want to go to these people. I don't want to be there. And uh, he disobeys God. God says, here's the plan, Jonah. And unlike Joshua, Jonah says, I'm not interested in that plan. I'm going to do it my own way. And so he runs over. He does it his own way. He gets on the ship with these bunch of guys. A storm hits. And he finally realizes that, you know, God is hitting the ship with the storm because of his disobedience. And so, you know, they throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by this ginormous fish. Now, here's the And this is Chris's paraphrase of the story now, okay? Well, God has a sense of humor. So the fish has like sonar and gets to the land of Nineveh. The fish gets up to the beach, and the fish literally barfs him out onto the seashore, okay? Some of us paint this in our nurseries, all right, and so Jonah's puked up on shore, okay, ralphed out, however you want to say it, and he's he's sitting there. Now imagine this, it says he was in the belly of this fish for three days. Where did he pee? Where did he poop? Think there was like a little, you know, outhouse that he could go outside the whale from and then come back? No, all right. He smells, man, like garbage, like rot. Like you ever filleted fish And like 20 minutes after you fillet them? They smell bad. We're talking three days in the, welly, the belly of this with all his feces. So blah, there's Jonah. And God does something magical and wonderful through Jonah. Jonah walks in. He's got slime coming down and seaweed hanging out. And you know who knows what his clothes look like. now. He's soiled himself. He's a mess. And he walks into Nineveh. And it says in Jonah chapter 3, the whole town gives their life to God. They just thought, it was miraculously, they listened to the barf, Can't doesn't even want to be there, has no heart for the people, and Nineveh's like, yes, this is right, let's accept Christ. And they have a revival in the town of Nineveh. I hate Jonah. I hate him. I don't like him. I don't like Jonah. Jonah bugs the living snot out of me. I want to be here. I want to take this town for Christ. And I'm going, God, it's been eight and a half years. Come on, Lord. Come on. You have people here that need you, that are going to spend an eternity away from you unless you show up and unless you show off. Kind of where my heart's at today. So let me ask a question. Don't answer this. Are we a successful church? We didn't see, Nineveh, you know, we, we haven't seen every single one of our neighbors, you know, turn around, because you would have saw a turn on social media, you know, on the, on the page, What's Wrong in St. Francis? I mean, people on that page, they would have been like, man, we love Jesus. Would have thought so different. So are we successful? Well, let me say this. It depends if you are measuring with God's standards or humans. In human standards, not even Jesus was a success. Think about it. Who were his disciples? Which are hobo fishermen, right? You know, he brought on Peter. What did Peter do? Peter denied him three times at the most crucial part in his life. The disciples, what did they do? And he said, stay awake, pray for me. This is, I'm, I'm about to literally go to hell and fight off the enemy. What did they do? Mm-hmm. They fell asleep on him. Way to go, boys. Jesus knew that would happen, right? He knew it would happen. He picked Judas. Well, we all, you know, if you don't know how that turned out, not very good. Not very good. But here's my, the one that really shows that Jesus was not a success if we look at it in human ways. If you're familiar with the rich young ruler or not, here's what happens. Jesus meets this person, and the rich young ruler is craving. Things of God. And he asked, the, asked Jesus, what do I need to do to be saved? And, and Jesus knew his heart. He knew he believed, but he knew he was holding on to things of the world, not just Jesus. And so Jesus tells the rich young ruler, he says, I want you to sell everything. I want you to sell all your possessions. I want you to give it all away. It's like the Red Hot Chili Peppers song. You sinners, you shouldn't know that. <laughs> give it away, give it away, give it away now. Um, it's a great song. And... Uh, Don't get me off track. He says no. In fact, here's what it says right here in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus showed up, but right here, Jesus didn't change his mind. Was Jesus a failure or a success? Well, sometimes I've measured success as a church wrong. Wrong little confession time this morning. Think of it like this. Let's say at the way, on the way out, let's say our usher team. Can, can we just thank our usher team? They, they, man, They're awesome. Come on. <laughs> they can read what you write on your checks. They're awesome. All right. Okay. So on the way out of service today, <clears throat> let's say that on the way out today, we're going to give everyone one of these free gift to you. <laughs> You're welcome. And, and, and I say, you know what I want you to do? For the next one year. Now, I know Jamie and Nikki down here could do this, but the rest of us probably couldn't. And if you don't know them, they're awesome. They're strong in their faith, and they physically could beat all of us. And so the, we've got this brick, and we're hanging it, we're holding it around. And I said, for the next year, you can't set it down. You, I want you to bring it to the shower with you. I want you to hold on to it. I want you to snuggle it at night. Okay. I don't ever want you to put this down for the next week. Now, some of you are competitive like me. And we'd probably make it till we could shove our faces with candy here in a little bit. Then we'd set it down because we got candy, okay? But some of us, you're like, that's too hard and that's stupid. I'm not even going to do that. And there's some of us, we try for a really long time. I don't know about you. My arms are right now are really tired. This thing is about 75 pounds, okay? It's very heavy. It's like a double center block. I don't want to carry this. It's a pain some of you are carrying something like this we're going to talk about that in just a moment hold on, I don't want to break my back and if I don't bend with my knees those of you that help me are going to tell me now let's say on the way out I give you this little pebble give you this little rock that you can probably barely see from there and I just say keep it on you bring it in the shower where you go you know, snuggle it at night it won't even get in the way of you and your spouse I mean, whatever, just tuck it away Hold on to it for the next year. Some of you hold stuff in your pockets that reminds you of things in your life, and that's fine. Which is easier? This is going to be a lot easier and a lot doable. And here's what God is teaching me and showing me, okay? And I hope this blesses you because this is, I'm preaching to myself right now. You see what this represents over here? This represents the burden of outcome. You're expecting things to go the way you think. They don't always go the way you think. You get frustrated and get mad at God. And you judge your life based on how you think the outcome should go and you're carrying that around with you. Where what we need is this. All this represents is the burden of obedience. It's that simple. Today I want to ask for your forgiveness. Can get a little heavy for a moment? Many times in the last eight and a half years as a church, you just realize we're eight and a half years old as a church. We're eight and a half years old as a church, man. More times I've tried carrying that. Compare, you can call it burden of outcome or burden of comparison either way. I look at another church that started and, you know, they're taking more and they're at three services and, and they and I go, man, what, what? And I realize I'm not just carrying the burden of obedience. I start carrying the burden of outcome. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of control over the outcome. I have a control over this, out of obedience. I bought into leadership principles. Some were good, but I bought into them before I bought into the leader. For those of you that don't know, I mean Jesus. The church planning journey is a weird journey, man. It doesn't always look like the way you think it's going to look. In fact, I would confess to you today, there are many days I feel incredibly lonely. I feel that we're we're given and and sometimes I, I look to that as the outcome, not to the obedience. And sometimes it feels like, man... I wish somebody knew my heart and I get lonely and I, I don't get as vulnerable as I need to. And there's times where I, I don't feel good enough. I know of just me, no one else has never felt good enough, right? But I, there's times where I don't feel good enough to lead you. There's times I don't, uh, I don't feel like I have what it takes. I'll listen to other messages and I'm like, man, I wish I was like that preacher. He's awesome. Burden of comparison. I feel less than qualified. If you come to deep, man, the biblical knowledge in this church is unbelievable. I learned so much during that Bible study. I went there to give, and man, I ended up receiving. But I look at the wrong things, carry the wrong things. That's way heavier than this. This is way easier to hold. Sometimes I feel that I've been too much of a leader to fit the mold of what a pastor is supposed to be Rather than just be a father figure to you. Because I know a lot of your hearts. I know a lot of your history. I know mine. And you're not needing a leader. You need a father who can just wrap his loving arms around you and say, you got this. You can do this. I love you. I'm proud of you. God's got you. And I believe that with all my heart. So I'm asking for your forgiveness. I've learned, and I'm learning, that my heart is not good at times. In fact, it's evil. This last week, um, we were in a hotel room, separate beds, <coughs> and uh, I had on the TV, and there was a TV evangelist going by. One I have made fun of, never in front of people, but behind, and and uh, I was making fun of him, and little did I know that the next day he was one of our guests at the conference. And he started speaking, and uh, I'm not going to share his name, some of you probably know who I'm talking about, and um, I'd make fun of him, his, his message I thought always seems like fluff, and it didn't seem real, and I judged the way he presented the message, and, and uh, I sat there and he spoke, he did a one-on-one interviewing, and, and to hear his heart, he goes, before I was ever in front of people preaching, he said, I never wanted a pastor, never wanted to be pastor of a church. And I tell pastors and church planners, if you can do anything else with your life, do it. It's the most fulfilling thing you'll ever do, but it's the hardest. And uh, he said he never wanted to be in front of people. He was a behind the scenes person. And in fact, before he stepped foot on a pulpit or on a stage, he spent 17 years as a cameraman behind scenes. And it was just God saying, how often do I judge before I actually know? probably just me I know this morning. I know that's not going to speak to anybody here, but for me, and I just want to say I'm sorry because we need to empathize with those. We say we're a visitor-focused church. We need to be a visitor-focused church. That video is really powerful. That video is true. There's people like that that are going, they're going to judge me before they even know me. I don't care what kind of tats you have. I don't care what kind of earrings you have. I don't care what kind of pants you wear. I don't, just, just wear pants, please. You know, I, but we want to welcome you here. We want that to be. That's, that's who we are as a church. I'm a first-generation pastor. There, there's no, like, familial line and heritage in my family. In fact, I'm a first-generation Christian in my family, in that line. Got to pray with my mom before she passed. My cousin, who used to attend here, he's helping another church now, he got saved in, at the bridge about six years ago. So now we get to be first-generation Christians together, which is awesome and very cool. But to be very honest with you, most of the time I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm going to do my best. Here's what God's teaching me. First of all, you can't force fruit. In other words, you can't force feed somebody. How many, you know, remember when you had a little kid, some of you still do? And you had the little spoon... With the plastic tip, you know? Well, at least when you're your first kid, you use the plastic tip. You have other ones, whatever. You don't you just, you use a spork, you don't care anymore. But you remember the little spoon with the, the rubber end so it didn't hurt your baby? And some of you are still doing that because it's your first child, and congratulations. And uh, um, after our fifth, we're just like, you know? But you remember doing the airplane? You know? Did you ever once turn the spoon around and try tasting that junk? There's a reason they're spitting that stuff out. You can't force the fruit. We can be obedient, but we can't force the outcome. Second, the blessing is not in the next, it's in the now. See, God blessed the Israelites right where they were before they took on the next city. God gave them Jericho. Do you realize how crazy it is for our church? I was talking to somebody this morning. that We're in a church out of nowhere, dude. We have visitors every Sunday. And my prayer is for every single visitor and for you is that when they walk through here, man, not only the spirit of heaviness, but just heaviness altogether just falls off. And they're like, oh my gosh. we're going to have to start buying Energizer rather than Durso. Nobody ever buys their pastor Energizer. Keeps going and going. When we say what God's doing now, if we say, think of the Israelites, they're there at Jericho, but do you think if, while they're at Jericho and they haven't attacked the city and gained the city yet, how unmotivating it would be for them to say, we can't wait till we take Bethel. Well, we haven't taken this yet. Can we do that? Let's do this. And it can be so unmotivating if we say, well, someday we will. That can be really dangerous turf. Now, there's no problem in dreaming. I'm a dreamer, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. I believe we are called to the same vision as a church, but we all have different assignments. We're all called the same church, but we all have the same vision as a church, but we all have different assignments. We're never going to be a church of guilt. We're going to be that life-giving church. How many know that life pushes people down enough so us as the church, we don't need to? The best message we preach as a church isn't this right now. It's what we live out outside of here. It's what you live out. Giving to those in need. Supporting those that are hurting. Having the guts to go ask your neighbor to come with you to Easter service. Say, hey man, come on. Well, Pastor, I've asked them a thousand times. Yeah, I've preached for eight and a half years, and I don't see the whole city coming to Christ yet. We're all in this together, same calling, different assignment. I can't reach your neighbors. You can. Do you care for them? Do you care for the family? Do you care for those that are not going to see Jesus in eternity if we don't go? I oh man, I do. I do. We're a life giving church that's what we are that's what You know, I'm not saying other churches aren't but that's everything we do is going to be about being life giving connecting people to eternity and I'm going to have our media person run really fast through these with me let me just give you some practical what this looks like right now here's our current need what we have we need help in the K through 5th we need a media director somebody that loves media and Derek and I we're okay there's probably people here that know media to the nth degree and we just don't we need help there third is this we want to do online church and i'll talk more about that in just a moment our waivers outside you know that's the number two reason we get people that stop in is just people waving outside we didn't have person waving today we're missing out man if, if you're like hey the greatest part about that ministry you know what it's like 15 to 20 minutes a day that's it once a month that's you can do that intercessors those of you that have a burden to pray because none of this happens without the foundation of prayer Derek and I were praying. We're praying this morning. Prayed as a team this morning. If that's your gift of intercession, you know, intercession just means uh, communication between you and God for the then and then for the now and the next. Maybe you're a bass player. If you're not, this lady up here, she'll teach you. So if I can play bass, you can play bass, seriously, okay? Ellis, mom, who's not even one yet, could come play bass, You can play bass. We need bass. We love bass. Your pastor loves the bass, man, all right? need people to help with sound. Maybe you're going, man, I I love, you know what? From this day forward, you're not allowed to complain about sound. Too loud, too quiet, too this. Next time you do that to any of us on the team, we're going to put you on soundboard. And I mean it. Awkward laughing. I love it. I know most people don't complain about that sound, but we need help on the sound. We need help on security. Right now, we have somebody that's out in the foyer to make sure that we're safe in here, but more importantly, no one comes and goes into our kids' wing during service. They stand out there the whole service. We need somebody to do that once a month. Because how many know, man, we want our kids safe before even us? They need to be safe. We live in an interesting day and age, don't we? That's a really important part. Here's future need we want to do an online church, we want to do a second campus online. It's where we're going. We're not there yet. Before we do that, though, we need the second part, sound, video, technology, because we want to do it well. If you watch the Facebook live video, sometimes it comes in and out because of our Wi-Fi. We don't want to do it on an iPhone. We want to have professional cameras. We want our reach to go above and beyond only St. Francis, but we need to continue to start here. Current dream. My dream has always been and always will be unless God speaks audibly, a tithe of our community. That's 10%. That's what I'm praying for, and I'm inviting you to pray for that as well maybe that's not in your sunset but that's the one we're going after families and marriages restored you awake this morning how many want that in our community let's help as many churches plant as possible it's number one way people come to Jesus if that was building snow cone machines that's what we would do but it's planting other churches so let's continue to do that do you realize we have, and I don't have the exact number, but it's between two hundred and three hundred thousand dollars and $300,000 in our first eight and a half years as a church that we've put into other church plants? Do you realize how crazy that is for a church like us? It's incredible, guys. And we want to do a missions trip. Future dream. Second campus online, 10%. The first one here, I, I went backwards on you, sorry. I want to brand, build a brand new building someday. I've had a dream since the start of this thing of what we could do with a building within St. Francis. This is not an end. This is a beginning. This is the middle part for those of you that were with us at the elementary. This is the next stage. This isn't the final stage. Okay? What does that stage look like? I dream about it all the time. I dream about what it look. I have to like stop because I get so excited about having a huge a way bigger foyer where we all fit in, you know, and um, you know, just an awesome place where we can have a little coffee shop. Some of you are coffee fanatics. I I've never drank coffee at the church here. I don't know what it's like, but some of you like it and you know, have a, have a shop there and have a place for the youth and a place, do you know we can actually have kids from the high school come over to our church during the day legally and they can have religious studies? What a great way we can reach into the community and the school. Here's my final thoughts as we close. I don't know about you, have you ever visited somebody in the hospital? It's a, it's a, really, um, it's a really tough thing to do. And when I started in ministry, the stuff I was least looking forward to was funerals, and going and doing hospital visits. But as a pastor, you have to do your first funeral visit. You have to do your first wedding. I mean, Just, just picture it like this. Put it in reverse. Let's say you have to have surgery. And the surgeon, it's, you're his first person ever. How many are like, yeah, I'll sign up for that? No. I had, you know, out of desperation, people were like, uh, could, you, could you do the funeral first? Yeah, I, I asked the pastor and then the pastor's assistant and, and the secretary. And, and finally, you know, could you do it? You know, Sure but I remember going in and I was praying with this gentleman and this friend of mine from church I used to be a pastor at walked in there I was the assistant pastor and we're praying for him and, and he accepted Jesus right with us. He just said, yeah, I want to believe in Jesus. And, and he had stage four cancer and we prayed for healing. we're like, and we believe, we're a church that believes in healing. We believe in the miracles. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're praying and we pray, God, would you please show up and show off in his life? Would you heal this man and everything in me? This was not faith the size of a mustard seed. This was the whole mustard tree. I mean, like the faith was there. It was awesome. And, and I prayed and I get a call from my buddy in the morning. And I said, did he get healed? What, what's the testimony? I can't wait to hear it. He passed away. I was a wreck, man. I felt like I failed. I felt like I, I missed it. I felt like I didn't, I didn't get it because, because I, was, I was carrying this. I was carrying this. I wanted that outcome. I didn't get that outcome. Here's what God's showing me and this is what I want you to remember for today. You will never be, never be disappointed in life if you give God permission to have the outcome he wants, will you give him that permission today? I need to. I'm coming to my own altar call today. How many of you need to do that? I'm going to ask you to do a bold step this morning. If that's you, would you just stand where you're at? you know you need to do that? It's wherever you're at. Just stand up. We're all family. It's all good. No one's going to judge you. You're welcome. You're welcome here. You go, I need to just, I need to set this down. I need to just pick up that burden of obedience. I everyone else stand with us this morning. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that, Jesus, you came to save us. You gave your life, and we'll just accept you this morning. If there's anyone here that has never said to you, Jesus, I believe, I accept you. Forgive me of my sins. I will live for you all the days of my life. You now have eternal life if you believe that in your heart. Share that with somebody. You share it with me. Share it with the person that brought you today or that you're here with. Have that freedom. And then for those of us that have said yes to Jesus, now it's that time to lay down the burden of outcome, the burden of comparison. And let's just hold on to the burden of obedience. Help us live for you, God, all the days of our life. Lord, will we do that? You're, you're asking us, Lord, to obey you, to follow you, to be the church, Lord. Same calling, different assignments. We want to see this city, this community, those that need you come to know you. Those that we think there's no hope for, there's hope for you. There's always hope. God, would you use us and utilize those relationships to bring who you want to be here next week to Easter, to Good Friday service, to the Sunday service, even even the families that we invite to the egg hunt, Lord. Would you be glorified in all of that? Would eternity be so pleased? But God, my strange prayer this morning is this. Even if we knew that not one person would give their life to you next week, would we still obey? Would we still go anyway and carry the correct burden? Help us carry that in our own lives, obeying you, not worrying about the outcome, but just being concerned if we're following your ways. Be with us today, Jesus. We praise you. We thank you that you've been in our midst, and I just ask that everyone would have a phenomenal, holy week this week God as we celebrate you today Palm Sunday laying down the branches as you entered towards the gates of Jerusalem Lord to fulfill what you knew what was ahead of you and this morning Jesus all of us thank you that you didn't hold on to the burden of outcome because you wouldn't have gone through with it you held on to the burden of obedience can we do likewise we thank you Jesus pray in your name this morning amen this has been a podcast of The Bridge Church have a great week Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.